This is the Raising Freethinkers podcast. I'm Dale McGowan, editor and co-author of Raising Freethinkers and Parenting Beyond Belief, books for raising compassionate, curious kids without religion. Episode 19 of Song and Story. Bedtime is a great opportunity for parents. I think a lot of my relationship with my kids was built right there in that time we spent together each night. We read to our kids when they were young. That's a no-brainer. Oral language is the foundation of all language, including reading and writing. And kids who are read to early on develop better and deeper language skills. The research is pretty clear on that. And you should do it way past the time they can read to themselves, not instead of their own reading, but in addition to it. The first Harry Potter book came out when my son was two years old and the last one when he was 12. Just perfect timing. We read a lot of different books with all three kids, but Harry Potter was this golden thread for all three. And after the books each night was songs. My mom sang me to sleep when I was little and I loved it. So each of my kids got two songs a night. In the course of about 10 years, that's almost 20,000 bedtime songs sung in this house. And some of them were songs that my mom sang to me. Skeeters am a humming on the honeysuckle vine. Sweet Kentucky Bay. Some were just great songs that I thought my kids ought to know. And now the purple dusk of twilight time steals across the meadows of my heart. Try not to get It's very clear Our love is here to stay Here's a little song I wrote You might want to sing it note for note Don't worry Be right just the other day It came to the world in the usual way But there were planes to catch and bills to pay It's a little bit funny This feeling inside Remember that you're standing on a planet that's evolving And revolving at 900 miles an hour And then one night, when my girls were five and eight That old friend floated into my head And I began to sing Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. What in the world? said Erin. Her head was off the pillow, and I could feel her puzzled gaze cutting through the dark. Ten, ground control nine, to Major Tom eight, seven, six, 
Commencing countdown engines on. Three, two, check ignition and may God's love be with you. This is weird, said Delaney. This is totally weird, said Aaron, leaning forward on her elbows. This is... This is ground control to Major Tom. I was only slightly older than Delaney when Neil Armstrong celebrated my wedding anniversary by landing on the moon 22 years in advance, to the day. It was the same year David Bowie gave us Major Tom. And I watched the moon landing with my parents, who tried really hard to impress the significance on me. And it worked. I was a complete NASA-holic by the time I was eight. As I built model after model of the lunar module and the command module, and I watched telecasts of one Apollo crew after another in grainy black and white. I remember being both awed and kind of miffed at the astronauts. Awed because I wanted so much to be in their boots and miffed because they were all business. Houston this and Houston that, engaging the forward boosters, Houston, switching on the doohickey, Houston. Even in elementary school, that didn't seem right to me. It occurred to me that There should be a little more evidence of personal transformation here. I wanted to hear them say, ooh, in a just fully uncrew-cutted, unprofessional way. Holy cow, I wanted. I'm in outer space. Nothing. Eventually, we got a little goofing around, golfing on the moon. That's fine, but that's not transformation. I wanted evidence that they were moved by their experience, that they would never be the same after seeing Earth from space. And eventually it happened. They eventually wrote about it years later when I was in college. But it was in high school that that Bowie song I'd never heard before finally said what I'd wanted to hear. So instead of singing it the next night, I played the original song for them. And the girls wanted to know, is he okay? What happened? Does Major Tom come back? And the next night, I played it for my son Connor, who was about 10 at the time. And the very first time I played it for him, he said, oh my gosh, he killed himself. What? No, he didn't, I said. I I was indignant, partly because it had never occurred to me. Yes, he did. Tell my wife I love her very much, and then his circuit goes dead. Come on, Dad. I had heard the song a thousand times. Yeah, I thought he might not have made it. But it never once occurred to me that he'd done himself in. Huh. 
No, it makes sense. He was moved, all right. He was so transformed by the experience that he liberated himself from ground control, unhooked his tether, and went careening blissfully beyond the moon. So there's your transformation. Be careful what you wish for. Twenty-eight. Hmm, okay, twenty-eight. Ooh, that's a good one. Despite living with him for 13 years, I knew very little about my dad. He worked three jobs and traveled a lot, and when he was in town, he came home exhausted from a hundred-mile round-trip commute. I didn't even know he was a non-believer until long after his death at 45. My mom spoke very little of him, consumed as she was with the lonely and impossible task of working full-time while raising three kids by herself, two time zones away from any other family. And she still sang us to sleep. And I've wondered how much my kids would remember of me if I died today. The situation is different. I'm more involved in their lives than my dad was able to be in mine for several reasons. But I wanted a way of sharing my life with my kids that was natural and unforced. At some point, without even meaning to, I found a way. Starting a tradition in our family called Age Stories. Simple premise. At bedtime, the kids had the option for their second song of instead hearing an age story. They would pick an age, like 28, and I would tell them about something that happened to me at that age. And for a long time, it was one of their favorite bedtime options. They always chose it. Through age stories, my kids now know about my life at age four, broken arm from walking on a row of metal trash cans, age nine, which is when I stole a pack of Rolos from Target and felt so bad that I fed them to my dog, nearly killing her, age 21, I broke up with my first girlfriend and then got dumped by the second one, 23, my crushing uncertainty on graduating college, 25, the strange and cool job in L.A. that allowed me to meet Nixon, Reagan, Jimmy Stewart, and a bunch of other celebrities. 26, when I pursued and stole their mother's affections from the Air Force pilot that she was almost engaged to. What happened on the days that they were born and everything. Eventually, just about everything in between. They know about the surreal week that followed my dad's death. How I nearly cut off two fingers of mine by reaching under a running lawnmower, 17, shut up. My battles with the administration of the Catholic College where I taught when I was 40. The time I was nearly hit by a train in Germany at 38. And nearly blown off a cliff in a windstorm in Scotland at 42. Age stories can also open up important issues in an unforced way. Delaney happened to ask for 11 
my age when my parents moved us from St. Louis to L.A., right before we moved her from Minneapolis to Atlanta. It was a really difficult time for her. I described my own tears and rage at 11 and the fact that I held onto my bedpost the day of the move and how well it turned out in the end, including meeting their mother. And I wasn't surprised when she said 11 again and again during that hard transition in her own life. We've talked about love and lust, death, fear, joy, lying, courage, cowardice, mistakes, triumphs, uncertainty, embarrassment, and that personal search for meaning in ways that no lecture could ever do. They came to know their dad not just as the aging monkey he is today, but as a little boy, a teenager, a 20-something, stumbling up the very path they're on now. And they kept coming back for more. So give it a try. Make it dramatic. Include lots of details and dialogue. Have fun. The Raising Freethinkers podcast is a production of Only Sky Media, exploring the whole human experience from the secular perspective. Visit us online at onlysky.media. Thanks for listening. I'm Dale McGowan. See you next time for Raising Freethinkers. Thinkers.